Well, I'm, I'm um, really excited to get back into this series, so we're going to be doing part five of our Bible study on the book of Ephesians. Has anybody been, been liking the Ephesians Bible study that we've been doing? Here's the thing. You can't say no because it's just the Bible. See, I found the hack as a preacher. If I just preach the Bible, I can't preach a bad message, right? I was talking to Pastor Marlon about it uh, earlier, I think yesterday, and I was like, man, Pastor Marlon, I'm just preaching the Bible, so if they, if they don't like it, that means they just got to get saved. I'm, I'm not a bad preacher. You just got to get saved because I'm, you know, we're just preaching the word here. So no, I'm really pumped to get into, um, in, back into this series. I know it's been a few weeks, um, but what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at Ephesians chapter five and then Ephesians, the book of Ephesians has six chapters in it. So the next one will be um, chapter six, the final one. And then I want to let you know a couple of things because we're pretty deep into this series now. So if you've missed any one or you want to go back and, and double, double check on one of them, all of these, these messages, Ephesians 1, 2, and then 3 and 4 were 1, and then, and, and then this one, they'll all be on our YouTube channel, Church on the North Coast, or our podcasts are on there. Um, because they were a few weeks removed, what you can do to find them all grouped together, if you go to my website at dominicwhitfield.com, you can find all of them right there. You can do that. Also, at the conclusion of this series, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be developing a kind of like a commentary over the entire six chapters that we went over. So I'm going to be writing in kind of a, a blog format over everything about the book of Ephesians that we talked about. It'll be a resource for you. Um, again, we're going to have it on our app and as well as on my website. If you go there, you can see it as well. So um, I'm just really pumped for what the Lord's doing. I feel like, I feel like he's calling the, the church to dive deeper into his word, right? And, and I believe that as we grow deeper into his word, we get to know the Lord more, and that's how we grow. It's really simple. But tonight, we're going to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Let's go to the idea, because I want to kind of recap briefly. So the last thing we looked at was Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 4, and we talked about this. I am loved by Christ, discipled by his people, and I walk in holiness. Do you guys remember that? Right? It was a couple weeks ago, but the idea is this, that we are loved by Christ. And when we know we're loved by Christ, that means that we are able to begin a relationship with him. But how many know this, that when you get saved, when you give your life to Jesus, when you initiate a relationship with the Lord, that is the beginning and not the end. A lot of people treat that as the end. All you have to do is get saved. Okay, that's the first thing that you need to do. That's the beginning of your relationship with God. And the Lord has so many more blessings and, and, and awesome things for you on the other side of salvation. And, and, and what we want to understand is that discipleship by his people is a big component to that. That you and I are called to utilize our giftings, our talents, to grow and build the bride of Christ. It's not all on a pastor or a leader to do that because you are gifted. You are called. You have talents and anointings and so many different things that I don't have. So we need you to help in the growth of the church. And then, also, and then as we process through discipleship, then we enter into a lifestyle of holiness. And this is what I want to say because I challenged some of you last time to find somebody to disciple. Did anybody do that? Did you find somebody to disciple? Come on, wave at me. A couple people. Awesome, awesome. All, everybody else, you know, we'll work on you. We'll pray for you at the end. But, but if you haven't identified somebody to disciple, you should definitely do that. But I want to I wanna add this component to it as well because it's not enough just to disciple somebody. You have to be discipled by someone. Right? Because this is what happens. If all you're doing, if you don't have any covering in your life, then you're going to produce jacked up disciples that look like your dysfunction. 
Because you guys are great, but you're not that great. You're kind of messed up, right? And so you and I need to be discipled by somebody who knows the Lord a little bit better than us. So there's this process, there's this like middle ground that you have to play where you're, you're constantly learning, you're constantly growing, you have that authority in your life that you can be discipled, but then you're also pouring into somebody else. So it's a both and. So if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I would really love to be discipled. Let me just tell you, there's an amazing, amazing amount of men and women in this room who know the Lord so well. Find one of them and say, hey, will you pour into me? Would you disciple me? Would you share your knowledge or wisdom with me? I bet they would do it, okay? I bet they would do it. They're pretty awesome people. So that was uh, the last, the last uh, message we did. Tonight, this is the idea for tonight, to know Christ, to imitate Christ, and live a happy life. It's simple, right? Can we say that together? Know Christ, imitate Christ, and live a happy life. That sounds pretty good, right? I want to live a happy life, so we're going to get into it. Um, Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to dive right in, but before we do, let's pray. Bless the Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for our time together. We thank you that we get to gather as, as your people to love you, to worship you, to honor you, and as well to grow in our knowledge and our wisdom um, of you, God. And so, Holy Spirit, in this moment, I invite you to bring in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let it rest on us according to your word in Ephesians 1.17, that you would bring that sp- those spirits into this room, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that our eyes may be open, that we can see you, Jesus, that we'd, we would receive revelation of who you are, God. We love you and we bless you. In your name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, let's start off here right at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says this, Therefore, be imitators. Everyone say imitators. imitators. He encourages us right off the bat to be imitators of God as dear children. You know, the other day, uh, my, my wife was telling me that our son, our middle son, Judah, he's going to turn four in a couple months, that he said to my wife, Um, What did he say to you, Emily? He said like, oh, I'm doing it, bro, or something bro, right? He called her bro or dog or something, something that you don't call your mom, right? And it was funny because we were like, where does he get that stuff from? But I realized that I say that a lot. Like when, when my kids mess up, like if they spill something or they do something wrong, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? You know, it's kind of like, what's up? And so he called Emily bro last night before bedtime or something. And we were just laughing because that's how children operate, right? They listen to you, they watch you, and then all of a sudden, if you're not careful, whether you want them to or not, they begin to imitate you. They begin to repeat you and do the things you do and say the things you do, and that can be a little intimidating as a parent. But this is the picture that Paul paints, right? He says, listen, just as children imitate their father or their mother, be imitators of God. What does that mean? That means say the things that God is saying. Do the things that God is doing. How do you do that? Well, you start by opening your word. You start by finding out what God is saying, and you imitate those things. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love. Everyone say, walk in love. Walk in love, love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I love how Paul said walk in love because you'll find in the next couple verses here, Paul really calls us to a life of holiness. Paul really tells us, hey, listen, you should live your life this way. Don't live it this way. Do this. Don't do this. And I think it's interesting that he didn't say walk in holiness here. 
He didn't say walk in holiness. He didn't say walk in sacrifice. He didn't say, you know, walk carefully in righteousness, any of that, right? He said walk in love. And here's why that is so significant, because I've learned this. If your goal as a Christian is to walk in holiness, you will fail. It's impossible, right? It's so hard to walk in holiness. You're just not that strong, right? If you try to walk in your own righteousness, you will fail. You can't do those things, or better said this way, you can't do them for a very long time. But Paul reveals the secret. He says, don't try to walk in holiness, walk in love. Because if you walk in love with Jesus, holiness is a byproduct of your love for him. Because when you're so in love with Jesus, your desire, your, your obsession is to please him in every area of your life. And so you do things and you don't do things to please the Lord. And so as Christians, we can't get caught up in this, like, this behavioral mindset that says, oh, I have to be perfect. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to make sure I don't do those things. No, no, no. Don't worry about this, that stuff. All Paul encourages us to do is walk in love. If you walk in love, that's gonna, does that mean you're never going to mess up? No, you'll mess up. You'll fail. But if you truly walk in love, your desire will be to follow his commandments. Your desire will be to please him. And so in the next verse, go ahead to verse 3. It says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it, not be, let it not even be named among you. As it is fitting for saints, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, nor or which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of, of Christ and God. That's a that's a pretty extensive big thought and idea that Paul lays out here. And I want us to understand something. Paul, Paul is painting this picture of saying this, you can't function and identify in these things and be involved in the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean that if you do these things, you're not going to heaven? No. It's not what Paul is saying, because what is the kingdom of God? Let's identify the kingdom of God for a second. Is the kingdom of God heaven? A lot of Christians would say, well, the kingdom of God is just heaven, right? But that doesn't make sense then what Jesus preached, that the kingdom is coming. The, the, Jesus preached the kingdom is here, the kingdom is now, the kingdom of God has been manifest to us, right? That's the message that Jesus preached. He said, your kingdom come. So if heaven would come here, it's not heaven. Jesus isn't talking about a place getting to a place, he's talking about the functioning and the doings of God. That is the kingdom. It's what God is doing. It's what he's up to. The kingdom is, of God is not a place far away. The kingdom of God is in this room. It's here with us. It's functioning in the power and the presence and the will of God on this earth. That's what the kingdom is. So Paul's not saying if you do these things, you're going to go to hell. What he's saying is this. If you live your lifestyle like this, you will forfeit the inheritance you have to function in the kingdom of heaven now. And as Christians, we have to understand this. We have to lock this into our brain. And he says this in verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. And this is something I want us to really pay, pay attention to because now in today's day and age, there's more deception going on than ever before. You have pastors, leaders, social media influencers, all different types of people that would try to convince you that you can live your life however you'd like, you can have your cake and eat it too, and there's no consequences because God just loves everybody. And there's a lot of deception going on 
trying to create compromise in the church, saying, oh, you don't have to worry about that sin. It's okay. You can, you can continue fornicating with that person that you're not married with. It's okay. Go ahead and do that. You're not missing out on anything. Here's what I believe, okay? We get so caught up in this conversation. If I do this, will I go to hell? Can I get away with this and go to heaven? There's, a, there's not an answer from Dominic, okay? I don't know. I'm not the judge. I can't say yes or no. That's God. He's going to judge us, not me. I can say this, though. Let's start creating a conversation that says this. If I live my life this way, what does my involvement in the kingdom of heaven now look like? Like, not just, we're so obsessed with getting a free ticket to heaven that we need to be obsessed with allowing Jesus to create who he wants us to be in our life now. Like heaven's awesome and God, we're gonna go to heaven. I feel like there's a lot of people that's gonna be in heaven. God loves us. He has so much grace and mercy and he's really gonna like, he's really gonna work with people's hearts, right? But the idea is this, I don't wanna live my life now just to hope one day I get to heaven, right? I want to please the Lord, not in my death. I wanna please him in my life. I want to honor him in, in my, my days here. I don't want to just reserve this moment for the Lord to when I meet him one day. No, no, no. I want to honor him and bless him and position my life to function in his kingdom. And this is what Paul is saying. He's not talking about heaven or hell here. He's saying, listen, do you want to be a part of the kingdom of God? Because this is what it takes for us. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, watch this, because of these things that people do, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So Paul's telling us this, that the world, those who are not in Christ, right? Because if you're in Christ, you don't receive the wrath of God because the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. So if you're found in Christ, then you're not a recipient of the wrath of God. But for those who reject Christ, guess what? They will receive the wrath of God on that judgment day. And then Paul's saying this, he's saying, don't, he's like, don't identify with the same things that the people are doing who are gonna receive the wrath of God. And he says this, therefore, do not, no, go back, go back. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So Paul's not saying that you will receive the wrath of God. He's saying they're going to receive the wrath of God, but why would you do the same things that they're doing to deserve it? Right? Like, think about this. We are in Christ. We're covering the blood. We know that the wrath of God is not our inheritance, that his kingdom is our inheritance. Why would I do the same things that other people are doing that is earning them the wrath of God? Why would I participate in that? I don't want to do that. Even if the consequences are different, even if I'm covered in the blood and I know I'm going to get to heaven one day, why would I want to participate in what is detaching the world from the Lord? Paul's saying, do not be a partaker with them. He goes on to say this in verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. As we read that, we realize he didn't say, for once you were in darkness and now you're in light. He said, you were darkness, <laughs> But now you are light. Jesus calls us the salt and light of the earth. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. This, this is something that I really want us to catch because in order to intimidate, in, in, imitate Christ, you can't intimidate Christ, sorry, but in order to imitate Christ, first you have to find out who he is. 
Before we can act like Christ, before we can pursue him with our life, with our actions, with our words, we have to find out who he is. And Paul is encouraging us to do that. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose them. Paul is telling you, listen, expose the darkness in your life. And I'm kind of, well, I'll just say it. I'm not worried about saying it. But there's a certain reality because there's a lot of this like mentality going on that says, oh, don't judge me. Don't call my stuff out. Like you can't tell me I'm wrong, blah, blah, blah. This is what the, the bride of Christ is meant to do. We're meant to hold each other accountable. We're meant to judge each other, not in a, in a, a mean, hateful way, but to, but to come alongside in relationship, in discipleship, in love, and say, hey, this is, not, this is not right. You need to stop doing this, right? And so Paul's saying, listen, when you see darkness, expose it. Expose it with light and say, hey, this isn't something that we should be involved in. You need to remove yourself from that. And Jesus even says that, right? He says, before you point out the speck in somebody else's eye, remove the log that's in your eye. Jesus didn't tell you not to point out somebody's speck. He just said, listen, if you're going to expose darkness, make sure you expose it in yourself too. If you're going to call out somebody else's stuff, make sure that you've taken a good look inside to make sure there's not too much stuff in you. But that's, that's who we should be. We should be fellowshipping with one another and say, hey, that's, that's darkness. You don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be going around there. Let me, let me shine some light in that area, right? It says in verse 12, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I want to I jump over really quick to John chapter 3 because Jesus addresses this. He speaks to this, and, and he's having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And this is really an interesting story because the Bible says that Nicodemus came to the Lord in the middle of the night because he was ashamed and he was trying to cover up his desire to follow Jesus because he didn't want to lose his connections with his religious leaders, right? And so he, he, in his shame, in his hiding, he tried to hide and he came to Jesus in the night. And in the conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus, he kind of calls him out on not of a loving darkness, right? He says, Jesus says this, and this is the condemnation, the light, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Why do people love darkness? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Do you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of a Saul who, who sins before the Lord and he asked Samuel, would you cover this up for me? Would you, just, would you just pretend like we're good so all the people could have faith in me? He's walking in darkness. And when you look at a David who says this, 
I have sinned before the Lord. And he, he removes his clothes. He exposes himself to the Lord and says, God, would you search me and know me and see if there's any wickedness inside of me? Those are very, two very different ways to live before the Lord. And as a Christian, what we have to get used to is opening ourselves up to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be in your light. Would you please, with the light of your presence, identify any wickedness in my heart, anything that is unpleasing to you, God, would you shine your light and expose that in me and remove it, Jesus? That has to be our prayer. We can't function and operate hiding and covering things up and shh, don't talk about that. No, no, no. Here's the truth. Don't be ashamed of the darkness that you have on the inside of you. Everybody, like we struggle with stuff and I'm so sick and tired of coming in these doors and saying, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. No, you're not. Like you're not, you just had a really difficult week. Like you're struggling with sin, you're struggling with stuff. Like stop lying to each other and pretending that we're all perfect, we're not. And we have to get to a point where we're okay with coming to one another and saying, hey, I need some help. I need a little bit of light. <laughs> I need a little bit of light because I'm struggling with this. When you do that, that is what Jesus is talking about. You're, you're shining the light on that. And that thing can't stay once the light shines on it. It only has power in your life when you hide it, right? So this is what Paul's talking about. Let's go on to verse 15 in, in Ephesians chapter five. 15 says, see then that you walk circumspectly, means carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise. That word unwise literally means ignorant. Do not be ignorant, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, I don't have to do that because my pastor is going to preach a great message on Sunday, so I'll just let him understand what the will of the Lord is. No, you have to understand what the will of the Lord is. That word will there means this, his desire. What is the Lord's desire for us? That's every Christian's individual job. We have to know what the Lord desires. And do not be, watch this, this is so cool. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. That word, this is the definition that popped up here. And I wanted, I put it in here. I wanted to read it. I thought it was so amazing. Um, when I read that uh, the first few times, I just, you know, I don't, I don't drink wine. I, I, I really don't like wine. It makes my teeth feel really weird. So I've had it like a couple times and I just, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. And so I'm like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I'm just going to skip this part because I don't drink wine. But then I looked at what this, what this definition is and it means this, deceptive desires leading to a lifestyle without discipline. Oof. Deceptive desires leading to a lifestyle without discipline resulting in the dizzy hangovers of drunkenness. <laughs> so, so maybe you, you don't drink any alcohol. You think, man, I can just skip over this. No, 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 hold on. Because what Paul's really saying here is, listen, you can't get involved in these deceptive desires that that attack your discipline, that attack your, your functioning in the light of Christ, resulting in these dizzy hangovers of drunkenness. When he says this, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Don't indulge your flesh, but indulge your spirit and indulge in the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 19, he says this, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks 
always, always giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I love that last line because when you, let me say it this way, there were, there, I used to play with some kids when I was young, and I, I was, you know, I, I was a boy, I, I am a boy, but I was a little boy. Don't worry, I haven't, I haven't transitioned. I'm a boy, I'm a man. Um, going, going right in the wrong direction there, right? It's way far left, I didn't mean to go there. I, I, I was a little boy, and I used to play with, you know, my friends. And when you're a kid, you play differently with people when their parents are around. Because I remember playing a little too rough with my friends in front of their dad, and their dad kind of went off on me, and I was terrified. I was so scared. I'm like, I'm never going to be mean to your child again. I'm so sorry, right? Like, you're just completely crushed. And, and here's, the, here's the picture, right? It's like, we have to play with one another as if their dad is around. Like, when you interact with one another, you submit to one another in the fear of the Lord, knowing this, that there is a God in heaven who died on the cross, took a crown of thorns, nails, on, nails through his hands, a whip on his back to shreds for the person that you're being mean to. <laughs> Just keep that in the back of your mind, because Christ died not for you, but for the person that you're having conflict with, right? And so Paul is saying, listen, we have to submit to one another in the fear of God. Jesus said it this way, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, you might as well tie a rock around your neck and jump into the water before I get a hold of you. That's what Jesus said, right? And so as we relate to one another, we relate in the fear of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul goes on to say this, and this is perfect for Valentine's Day, right? We're going to talk a little bit about husbands and wives and, and might get a little bit in trouble here tonight. But here we go. Verse 22, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Amen. Live right. Love everyone. Pray hard. We'll see you later. We'll just take that and go home, right? No, sorry, husbands, you don't get off that easily. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of, of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And a lot of times we hear this, and, and we hear it paraded around by men that just says, hey, wives, you got to submit to us, okay? Just, just submit to the husbands, and, and, and then we're just going to do what we want, right? But here's, here's the truth, husbands, because we're going to talk about something pretty difficult. The reality is this. You have to give your wives something to submit to. They can't just submit to your carnality, <laughs> They, they're not submitting to your poor spiritual leadership. They're not submitting to, to your, your, what we talked about, the lazy drunkenness and your un, undisciplined desires, right? That's not what God, Paul is telling your wives to submit to. What we're going to see here in a second, the idea is in that the same way the church submits to the Lord, that's how, our, that's how wives should submit to their husbands. But this is, this is our job now, husbands, and it gets pretty intense. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. 
So wives submit, husbands, you have to lay down your life. Because all wives, what you're called to do is submit to, 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 to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. But husbands, what you're called to do is the same way Christ died for his church, you are called to lay yourself down for your bride. It's much more difficult and harder and, and requires more of you than just telling your wife to submit. You've got to die for her every day. Lay down your desires, your dreams, your hopes. Like the same thing that Jesus did. He came down from heaven, laid himself down for his bride. In that same love, we are to love our wives. In verse 26, that he might sanctify, and this is, this is really beautiful, watch this. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So Paul is equating the way Jesus not only died for his church, but invested his life into his church so that he would have a glorious bride. This is husbands. This is awesome. If you can hear me for this for like two minutes, listen to this. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. What is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, if you, if you desire to have a thriving relationship with your wife, you have to lay down your life because when you die as Christ did, the same way Christ prepares and enjoys his bride now that he's laid down his life, the same way, the same thing happens in your relationships. As you lay down your life, your, your wife becomes this glorious, beautiful bride. And nothing but good comes out of your relationship when you first lay down your life. Where was I? 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Like think about this for a moment. Jesus died on the cross, gave everything for us, and he has created for himself a bride. Husbands, in that same way, the reflection of the gospel, we are to lay ourselves down so that we can perfect our bride. That's how you lead your wife. That's how you lead your family. That's how you lead in your home is you lay yourself down in love. It says in verse 29, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. You are called to nourish and cherish your wife just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In verse 32, Paul says this, that this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. This is like, you didn't know you were getting marriage advice here tonight. I didn't either, but this is just here in the Bible. And what Paul says, I think, is the key to, to fixing this daunting statistic that says that, that divorce rates in the church are, are just as high as divorce rates outside of the church. The issue with that is that husbands, we don't know how to lay down our life. We just want our wives to submit. Just submit and let me lead. No, no, no. 
Jesus led from his knees as he was washing his disciples' feet. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus didn't come so that men would sing his praises and glorify him. Jesus came so that he could hang on a cross while people were spitting and and cursing at him. This is the reality of what we're called to, men, is we're called to lay ourselves down for our bride. And let me just tell you this. This is obviously, you know, speaking to our relationships, but when you, when you are able to function this way as a husband and as a wife, let me finish reading this before I forget. This is a great mystery concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. When we're able to function like this as a husband and a, as a wife, you're doing more than just growing and benefiting your marriage, Okay. What you're doing and what the beauty of marriage is in the first place, it's a representation of God on this earth. What you're doing as men when you lay down your life and as women as you submit and fear your husband, when when you function that way, what you're doing is you're revealing who God is in the earth. You're bringing revelation of the beautiful picture between Jesus and his church. And you're showing the world this is how Christ loves his bride. And this is how his bride loves him. It's a reflection of who God is on this earth. Amen? Amen. And so as we, I want to recap for a moment. Go to Ephesians, the the idea. Paul says this, to know Christ, to imitate Christ, and to live a happy life. If you paid attention there, we talked talked about how to walk in love, how to walk in wisdom, how to walk in light, and how to walk in relationship with one another. And every single instance, Paul says this, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Husbands, if you want to learn how to love your wives, look at Jesus. If you want wisdom, if you need wisdom, look at Jesus. If you need to learn how to walk in love, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. In this entire chapter, Paul is taking us and he's pointing us to Jesus. Because as you see Jesus, as you find him, you find yourself. When you know him, you know yourself. And there's, there's an identity crisis in this generation where we don't know who we are, we don't know who we belong to, we don't know who, who, why we're here. And the truth is, it's because there's a lack of Jesus in the culture. Because people don't see Jesus anymore, they have no idea who they are. They're confused. They're trying to be, you know, different people and different genders and different things, all crazy nonsense because Jesus is is nowhere to be found in society. If you want to know who you are, find him every single day. And Paul tells us here, when you know Christ, imitate him. When you find him, say, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to love like you. Man, when I, when I reread this this week, Ephesians chapter 5, there was a burning desire that said, man, I want to love my wife like him. <laughs> I want to love my family like him. As he gave everything, laid down his life, like I want to have this self-sacrificing love for the people in my life. Would you stand with me as we close tonight? Water's over here. Pray with me if you wouldn't mind. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and you would make Christ known to us. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to see you. Would you reveal yourself through wisdom, through revelation, 
through your word, through your people. Would you let us see your beauty, your glory? And as we see you, Jesus, we want to imitate you. Help us, help us, Jesus, to to walk in love with you. Help us to get outside of our own strength, our own intentions, our own desires, whatever we're walking in, God, help us to get out of that and step in our love with you, that we're not relying on how good of a Christian we are, but we're relying on how much love we have for you. Help us to be the children of light that you've called us to be, Jesus. That in love we can shine light in the darkness and and not condemn each other, but expose the darkness inside of us so that we can love you better. Just as Paul said, let us not be partakers in the things that people do to merit the wrath of God. We don't want to partake in that behavior, God. We want to honor you and love you with our life. And Holy Spirit, according to your word in Ephesians 1, 17, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom. Like your word says in, in chapter 5, verse 17, don't be ignorant, but understand what the desire of the Lord is. We don't want to be ignorant Christians, God. We want to know your will, your way, your heart. Would you reveal it to us? We love you tonight, Jesus, and we bless you. We glorify you. And we ask that in every aspect of our life, not just on Sundays and Wednesday, but in every, every aspect of our life, that we would glorify you with our words, we would glorify you with our actions, that we would glorify you in our relationships, that the world may know who you are because of who we are. The same way, Jesus, you said to your disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Let that testimony be true of us, that if you've seen us, that you've had a glimpse of who Jesus is. Because you, Jesus, have made us look even somewhat like you. We bless you tonight. We honor you. In your name I pray. Everyone said, amen. 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 As we close tonight, I want to do two things before we head out. There's going to be some pastors and leaders up here. And if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, and maybe you've had a relationship, but you've walked away. Think about it this way. If you were in a relationship with Jesus the same way, let me say it this way. If you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you treated the same way that you treat Jesus now, if you guys would be broken up, then you need to come to the altar. (laughs) Not to say that Jesus breaks up with you, but the reality is is that the, the Lord has called us into a relationship with him. And when you're in a relationship with somebody and you treat them poorly, they don't stick around. The beautiful thing is the Lord sticks around. He's here for you. But we want 
to be close to him tonight. So if you want to be close to the Lord, I want you to come up to the front. I want, to, I want you to receive prayer. And if you're here tonight and you have any sort of trial, difficulty, struggle going on in your life, you know, we have one rule here is the only rule is this, that you can't do it by yourself. You can struggle, you can fight, you can have good days, you can have bad days, you can go through all the difficulty life has. That's fair game, but you can't do it alone. That's the only rule. We want to pray with you. We want to love you. you. We want to bless you and, 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 and pursue the Lord with you. So if that's you, pastors, leaders, you guys can come up now. If that's you, just come this way before you go that way. And uh, we love you. We bless you. And can't wait to see you on Sunday. Remember, live right, love everyone, and pray hard. And we'll see you guys soon.